So the philosophy that I chose and the question that I chose more so is, is there a God? Now, to be upfront, I was raised in a Christian household and continue to believe in that. So there is going to be some bias there, but I feel with especially this question, but questions like this in general, you're always going to have some bias. That being said, I will try to be as middle of the road as possible. Another um, added side note is that I will be using Christianity for most of this because it is the religion I'm most well-versed in. My first sub-question would be, does it matter if there's a God or not? Because if it doesn't matter, then what's the point of me doing this project? Why not pick another question? So why it matters really comes down to morality. Now, a common argument for Christians is that in order to be the most moral, you need to have a religion. So the atheist, who is my first uh, philosopher, Christopher Hitchens, a philosopher of religion, history, and literary criticism, decided to pose this question. Name one moral act that Christians can do that an atheist can't. Now, the problem with this question, and the reason it's so perplexing, is that morality is a complicated thing. People have different meanings between religions, different civilizations, different, even inside specific religions as Christianity, there are differences. It's why you have Protestants, Catholics, and then even within those groups, different groups, and just more subcategories and subcategories. But regardless, there wasn't an answer for a long time. People, people were very confused by this. The answer that I heard is believing and loving and following Jesus. So, if you are an atheist, you cannot do this. And if you are a Christian, this is the most moral thing you can do, according to some. A lot of atheists wouldn't accept this, though. Because to do that, they don't believe that that's a moral act. Therefore, it does not apply here. So really, the question there can be stated like this. And the question there being, does it matter? It 100% matters if you're a Christian. If you are any religion, even agnostics, it matters. If you're an atheist, it does not matter as much. Which can sort of tie into my second sub-question, which is, is there a purpose in life? Again, if you are a Christian, it is obvious that there is. The main one being to live a life for Jesus and then to bring as many other people to Christ as possible. As an atheist, that is not a factor. There are two factors that I, that I can think of. Those are, if you were to die, friends and family, people who care about you would be devastated, very upset. The second one is that if you die a premature death, 
who knows what you could have accomplished in life, helping further generations. The problem is that there are people who feel that neither apply. There are people who feel that, well, I feel like there's no one that loves me. Or, well, I feel like either A, I've lived a great long life, but there's nothing more for me to do. Or B, I'll never amount to anything. Having this third clause, as Christians do, really kind of puts things in more of a perspective. Because now you actually do have something that it doesn't matter if no one cares or if you feel that you've lived your life and there's nothing more for you to add. Because as a Christian, you must keep going. You must keep at it. So this is, again, a situation where no matter what you think's the right answer will be the right answer, depending on whether or not you are religious or an atheist. The third sub-question was, is man naturally good or naturally evil? Now, speaking in a bit more of a generality, Christians and other religions of certain certain kinds believe that man is naturally evil. You see this in the Bible or in the Torah in Genesis with the fall of man and even in um, the Islamic religion that man is born into a world of evil and sin. Some atheists or Gnostics or even other religions believe that that is not so, that people are born naturally good with an inclination for good. I disagree. I feel that man is naturally evil. If we look at what Thomas Hobbes had to say about this, he said, the life of man in the state of nature is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. So in nature, because security is impossible for anyone, the fear of death dominates every aspect of life. And being rational, humans will seek to be rid of fear. This is quite obviously true. If you were to stick a person out in nowhere, everything becomes a danger. Can you drink this water? Can you eat this food? Can you leave your main place with the certainty that you'll be able to get back? Can you sleep at night? Add humans to the mix, and that's just another danger. I have food. What if they want this food? And we see that throughout history as people fight for land, power, food, and other things. Um, One example I like to bring up whenever talking about naturally good or naturally evil is a child. If I have a two-year-old child, or any child for that matter, I'm not going to teach it to be bad. I'm never going to say, hey, you should lie about this. What's lying? Oh, well, it's when you don't tell the truth. What I would teach them is not to lie. Now, we can see 
for example, lying in kids at a very, very young age, even considered by some crying as a form of attention to get what you want. But by the age of about three or four, you are 100% lying because you have realized at that point that your parents, any guardian, doesn't know what they're, doesn't always know the truth. Therefore, I can get away with it. No one taught them that. It was naturally there. The argument is that evil things are circumstantial, that people only do bad things like steal because they have to. But that's not always the case. Again, using small children, it is very obvious sometimes when a child will take another child's toy wanting it for themselves and not wanting to share. We teach them to share. We do not teach them to steal. Now, getting back to the main argument of, is God, is there a God? I'd like to look at Thomas Aquinas, who had these five proofs of existence. The first is the argument of motion. So, Anything that we do, any action, has consequences. I move forward, the air moves around. The neurons in my brain told my body to move in that way. It's all connected. Therefore, there must be something that first moved in order to create this chain reaction. This was God. God sets all things in motion and gives them their potential. The second argument is the argument from efficient cause. Because nothing can cause itself, everything must have a cause. We see that. There is a child. It was caused by something, by the parent, by the mother giving birth to it. Well, how did, did the mother get there? Well, their mother gave birth to it. And you can follow this long line. There's a circle on the paper. How did it get there? I drew it. Well, what did you draw it with? A pencil. I need a pencil. I need motor function. All these things have to come together. According to Thomas Aquinas, therefore the first cause is God. Because without the first cause, there would be no others. The third argument is an argument for necessary beings. Because objects in the world come into existence and go out of it, it is possible for these objects to exist or not exist at any time. But nothing can come from nothing. This means that something must exist at all times. This is an ancient way of rebutting the Big Bang Theory. Um, they, according to this, there is no way that nothing was formed from nothing. There needed to be a god to create something out of nothing. Four. The argument of gradation. If I have two circles, one's perfect, one sloppily drawn, there's an obvious difference because we have a, a metric. If I am sick and my brother is healthy, we can base the fact that I'm sick off a perfect way, which is being healthy and being a qua and acquiring homeostasis 
the same thing applies with good and evil. Some, something is only good because there is a metric of good. The problem here is what defines this metric of good? Is it, as Christian Hitchens and others have said, a DNA kind of thing? Or, as Thomas Aquinas and other theologists of specifically Christianity have said, there are different degrees of goodness in different things. Following the great chain of being, which states there's a gradual increase in complexity, created objects must move from uninformed uh, inorganic matter to biology biologically complex organism. Therefore, there must be a being of highest form of good. The perfect being is God. In order for something to be bad, there must be good. In order for something to be good, there must be bad. The ultimate form of good would be God. The ultimate form of bad would be the devil. The fifth and final point is the argument of design. All things have an order or arrangement that leads them to a particular goal. Because the order of the universe cannot be the result of chance, design, and purpose must be at work, this implies divine intelligence on the part of a designer. This is God. This draws into the argument of efficient cause and the argument from necessary being, the argument from motion. There needs to be something to start it. For anything else to happen, I need to open the door to go through it. I need to walk to the door to get to it to open it. I need to stand up to walk there. I need to sit down to be able to stand up. I need to have a sequence of motion. And if you follow it back according to Thomas Aquinas, it's God. Now, a common argument against this is, well, how can God exist then? Because there would have to be something that created God. This is something that there really is no answer to. Because as Christians, you believe that God just was. He forever was and forever will be. Therefore, there is no causation. He just is. As an atheist, this is hard to wrap your mind around. My final point is one that contains less value. A lot of times people use persecution or even just being pointed out as wrong or criticized to be, well, obviously I'm right. I think that if you are being, let's say, persecuted for any belief, it shows great faith in it. And I believe that it can add some value to it because it shows that you truly believe in it. If we go back to the very beginning of Christianity, we have between 3,000 and 3,500 Christians that were executed in the Colosseum alone. Now, today, we have an example. Um, as I read from... Uh, Dr. Jim Dennison, who is baptizing people in Cuba, where it is very difficult as a baptized Christian to get ahead in life at all. And he was doing this baptism, and uh, the woman was carried out by presumably her husband, and she didn't walk through the water. It wasn't very shallow, so he assumed she was scared of the water. 
he was handed. He spoke the baptismal formula, put her under, brought her up, and so be it. He handed her back to her husband, who took her in his arms. And when he did, he raised her up out of the lake. Then he saw that she only had one leg. Quote, surviving in her society with such a disability would be challenging enough for anyone. Doing so as a baptized Christian would make her life difficult beyond belief. But if you had seen her face and felt her joy, you wouldn't wonder if God was real in her life and soul. This demonstrates this intense commitment that Christians have to their religion. And of course, there are other people who have intense commitment to their religion as well. And to intense beliefs, whatever it is, they, you have people who have intense commitment. All it does is strengthen my argument. That's my only point. That while it is not something that is overall deciding, if you have people who are willing to die for that belief, clearly they're interested in something. The difference between back then, when early Christians, and now, is that back then you had people who, if it were made up, they were the ones making it up, and they were the ones dying. Which, as we see from um, Lee Strobel, uh, who wrote Case for Christ, that was really pushed him to believe that God was in fact real. So, in conclusion, I feel that it's a very complicated and complex question that really the answer is very hard for one individual to answer for others. For themselves, that decision can be made quite easily, both by influence and through self-assessment. All these things added up have led me to personally believe that there is a God. Other people might find different evidence and come to different conclusions. But for the purpose of this project, I do believe that there is a God.